0: What's good everybody and welcome to another episode of the Amatella T.I.S. podcast with your host, yours truly, Jai Shields here on this Saturday, June the 5th, the year 2021, Uh, got lots to do, lots to talk about here on this weekend's program. Uh, give the final coup de grace to the two teams that got eliminated last time we chatted in the last couple of days. Look ahead as far as the NBA playoffs are concerned, look ahead to the second round of the 2021 NBA playoffs and touch on some baseball as I give you my two cents on uh, this uh, issue as far as pitchers doctoring balls and, and Marcelo Zuna, the uh, the uh, Got himself in some hot water. The player for uh, the Atlanta Braves, I give you my two cents on that uh, as the program moves along. But first off, let me um, tie a ribbon and tie a bow on two teams whose seasons have ended within the last uh, 48 to 60-plus uh, 60, 60 hours or so, and that is the Los Angeles Lakers and the Portland Trail Blazers. Both were ho- two home teams. Uh two home teams heading into their uh heading into their elimination games on Thursday night and both of their seasons ended with losses uh to uh the Lakers to the Phoenix Suns and the Portland Trailblazers to the uh Denver Nuggets. Uh it, let's do Den- let's do Portland first because their game was uh their game was first up here on Thursday um Portland and they fired uh, Terry Stotts by the way their head coach or quote unquote mutually agreed to part ways on Friday night but um you know with turbulence at the crossroads you know four out of the last 5 years whatever it might be early playoff exits you know you're wondering and lots of many people out in out on uh, television and the media have made this point and it's and it's worth repeating how you figure that the Clippers have sort of have sort of plateaued as far as their ceiling and their potential with uh, this with this current regime. You wonder if they, you know, that they that they've kind of hit their ceiling, where the only thing you're going to get out of them is, you know, they get fourth, fifth, sixth in the Western Conference and kind of plateau as far as you know if they win a first round playoff series, fine, but but if they don't then so if they don't then it's it's figured just to go back in the last couple of seasons um let's go back to 26 let's go man yeah, let's go back to uh, the 2015-16 season they lost in the semifinals to the warriors they went 44 and 38 uh 5th in the western conference next season 16-17 they uh, went. They had were fought. They had, were win at five hundred. Got swept in the first round by the Warriors, seventeen and eighteen. They finished third in the Western Conference, third, forty nine and thirty three, and they got bounced in the first round in a clean sweep, uh, four games to none, to the New Orleans Pelicans, 18-19, They get to the conference finals, but they get swept by Golden State. So outside of that season in eighteen and nineteen, and in nineteen twenty, they lost in the first round five games to the Lakers, at thirty five and thirty nine. They made the playoffs with a, with a sub five hundred record, and then this past season forty two and thirty, they lose in the first round in six to the Denver Nuggets. So outside of that one year, where they made the postseason just to get, or excuse me, they made a deep playoff push just to get swept by Golden State in the conference finals, they have not done. <coughs> Excuse me, they have not done a hell of a whole lot for a team that's got one, arguably top five best players in the NBA and Damian Lillard and a decent number two in C.J. McCollum. You figure that they sort of you know, that they've plateaued with as much as they can do. Changes have to be made. Obviously, a change at head at head coach is one of those many changes. With the with them essentially uh, agreeing to part ways with stats, you figure that. Now that uh, the rest of the NBA's um, fantasies about getting their hands on Damian Lillard uh, will not happen, it it appears that Damian Lillard is going to, you know, stay at Portland Trailblazer as long as uh, as long as his contract will allow him to. Uh, he went out for what it's worth on Twitter and Instagram, made his uh, little tribute post to Terry Stott, who you know it was his guy he was he's been he's been i believe he's only he's the only head coach that Dave Miller has ever had since he's been in the nBA but um but you figure that whether he went up to the front office or where Stott said, "Look, you know I've kind of hit my ceiling as far as where I can take this team, it's best and for the for the better, for the future of both parties that we that we split up and we don't uh you know and we end our partnership. Uh, after this season, and he came out and he said in his press conference after the game on Thursday night that you know end of the season, another early playoff loss. It's reevaluation time for everybody—the coaches, the players, the front office. Everyone takes a takes a look at themselves in the mirror when you know fourth time in the last five years or so. You know you can't make it past the, the you know the first and second round of the playoffs, so especially with all the. You know, I mean, they're not a stacked team, but you figure. You know, they got Carmel Anthony, Carmel Anthony, who may be past his prime, but still one of the more proficient scorers that this game has seen in the 21st century. Dame Lillard. And, you know, you got to figure that you got to do a little bit more, you know, than losing in the first round in six games to a Denver Nuggets team that are that you know with Nikola Jokic and uh, and no Jamal Murray I mean you gotta you gotta do a little bit better than that if you're uh, if you're the Portland Trailblazers and you figure you know they unless they get unless they, they'll get a new coach they will get a new coach uh, CJ McCombs future to be traded not traded that's up in the air um, but you know they got all off season all throughout the summer and early fall to see if they can concoct a championship contending team in the Western Conference, because and they're going to have to do it and they're going to have to get real creative on how to uh, build a championship contender because the West heading into next season is going to be packed. LeBron and Anthony Davis, which we'll get to them in a minute. You know they're going to they're not going to have to play a whole extra month of playoff basketball. You fair? They gotta come back and be healthy. Granted, they gotta do a uh, you know uh, inventory as far as players not named Anthony Davis and LeBron James because outside of those two, that team absolutely, positively stinks for lack of a better word. You know, the, they're coming back. Klay Thompson coming off of a his Achilles tear. He and Steph Curry are gonna come back with vengeance in the Western Conference. Jamal Murray's gonna be back. Uh, He and Jokic with the Denver Nuggets. Uh, Utah is gonna is gonna be uh, competitive. Uh, Same Phoenix as well. Regardless of what happens this year, Phoenix, you expect them to be right there in the Western Conference. Um, Dallas, of course, with uh, with Luca, and uh, the Clippers of course, and then the Clippers as well with Doc Rivers, who always uh, who always uh, gets the best out of his team as far as uh, being competitive and. Playing winning basketball throughout a regular season is concerned. So the West is going to be highly competitive, and it's not going to be a cakewalk to whoever ends up becoming the Western Conference champion for the 2021 2022 NBA season. And like, and I, I'm, I'm guessing here, and I, I'm guessing here, you know, he obviously isn't telling me anything, but you figure that Litter is like, all right, look, I'm not, go- things, uh, here's, here's one thing that's for sure. Th- it, things things have to change around here. I'm not going anywhere. I'm not leaving. I'm not requesting a trade. I'm not going to show up to training camp next season. I'm not doing that. I I signed a contract to be with Portland. I'm a stand pool. I'm not going to sit here and join up with any super team and go into a bigger city, bigger market, and and the build the brand stuff as far as going to LA, New York, whatever. Not doing that. But what's for sure is that while I'm here, and you have my word that I'm going to be here. Things have got to change, and whether head coach, head coach, players I play with, something has to change and something's got to give. Cause I, cause I'm simply busting my hump every single year, and you know there's no there's no excuse and no reason why I break an NBA record for three pointers mate, twelve to seventeen on that game five against Denver on the road, and I score fifty five points and we still lose the game. No reason for that, and Damian Lillard, you know who I who I'm reading and what I've uh, heard and read the last few days, he's gonna his ha- his he's gonna be heavily involved into the head coach selection process for Portland, and who knows to see whether or not he uh, now he and McCollum are tight, so I wouldn't you know him oh, you got to give McCollum because he and McCollum are boys, but you figure if you're Damian Lillard that you you can only do so much with C.J. McCollum and that's you know it was not that big of a factor uh come th- on Thursday night's loss also you take into account that Denver outscored uh you know Portland had a double digit lead in the second half and in Denver in the last 16 minutes 15 seconds of the game this is late thir- the late third quarter and essentially all throughout the the fourth quarter Denver outscored Poland 47 to 72 or excuse me 47 to 22 in the last 16 minutes and 15 seconds of the game which in a game six or at home up double digits appear to be in control for the majority of for the majority part of the basketball game have an opportunity to tie the series, go back to uh, to Denver for Game Seven. You cannot essentially let Jokic and the Denver Nuggets get hot and score up and down the basketball, up and down the court every single possession for the last you know quarter and change of 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 the game. It's just you can't it can't happen. Not to mention, it's also obvious that Dame Lillard was. And and you can't blame him. Gassed for playing six for playing six quarters of six quarters, fifty five points. He you know he got he more point. He's was on the court for more minutes than anyone else uh, for Portland in that game five. He scored fifty five points. You're on the court for four for six quarters. You're going to be gassed, especially with just the one day off in between. Not to mention playing at the high altitude in Denver. You know his his shot his three ball was not sinking. It's funny, you know he couldn't sh- shoot the ball off a boat into the ocean in game four. Sets the world on fire in game five and in game six essentially is running on fumes, tank on e. He was three uh, three of eleven from three, eight of twenty overall in, the, in the, throughout the entire game. You know, I mentioned the point that he only turned over the ball once in Game Five. Game Six, he turned over the ball five times and only put up 28 points. Which you know, you give Lillard a pass because essentially, at times he does carry this team when his you know when his teammates fail to show up. But you know, Lillard he it was a wrong time, wrong opportunity for Lillard to have, to look, for Lillard to have that bad game, especially when he went up by double digits as much as they were. C.J. McCollum not a factor either. Um, and then, of course, Jokic, you know, 36 points, 36 points, grabs six assists and eight rebounds. And that's another thing that was killing Portland, too, on Thursday night, was the fact that Denver was just out-rebounding them by the bushel. Every single time a ball was up for grabs, Denver was, Denver was able to uh, to, to, uh, to out-rebound Portland and to get those second-chance points you know i mean they only out rebounded portland by 2 39 to 37 but uh the real difference is i mean i mean, you got to rebound if you're portland it's all you know it's all there is to it got to rebound and even though portland got more points off of uh off of turnovers than denver did you know denver shot the ball slightly better than portland did from the field uh their three ball was definitely sinking uh, not by not my substantial amount but still um and then of course uh and then of course and then of course you know when Dame Lillard was gassed you know what he going to do and Portland's largest lead of that game was uh 14 points and it went all and it went down the drain and the difference maker in the game was the uh was the was the fast break points and the points was the fast break points and the points in the paint. Uh Denver outscored Portland in fast break points 18 to 10 and then the real substantial amount is how Denver was able to dominate the paint all night long. 50 points in the paint to Portland's 38. And when you have Jokic there that big center, you know, that's you know that that's that's your difference right there between uh winning and losing losing, excuse me if you're Portland. And then game number 2 uh, the Suns and the Lakers. Um, and give all credit to Devin Booker, thirty-three first-half points. Um, just an absolutely phenomenal job by phenomenal job by him. Uh, he's got the most most points scored versus the Lakers in playoff history in a game. Um, forty He had a forty-seven point forty-seven points against L.A. on Thursday night. That's third in the history of the NBA. Sleepy Floyd. Has the all-time, uh, has holds the quote-unquote record, so to speak, with 51. Allen Iverson with 48. John Havlicek and Isaiah Thomas with 43. And Devin Booker with the 47 points against the Lakers on Thursday night. Um, and an absolutely phenomenal job by him and a phenomenal job by the Phoenix Suns. You know, I thought, and again, a, a good job by Chris Paul shaking off whatever nagging, well, whatever, but shaking off his uh, nagging shoulder injury that that bothered him all series long, realizing that his team isn't going to be able to win and his team's chances of opportunity to win the series uh, is is in the toilet if Chris Paul, uh, you know, doesn't, does, you know, his his minutes are restricted and his minutes are an all-time minimum and he isn't out there on the court playing with them. And don't get me wrong; he was not a he wasn't a factor in Game Six, but like I said, just the sheer presence and the in- and the basketball IQ and the intangibles that he brings, uh, for being a part of the Phoenix Suns roster in their starting five and on and out there on the court with those young players, it speaks volumes, and it really, really, truly did, really did it. Re- it really, really did, and uh, and give credit to him and give credit to Phoenix who didn't quit. We didn't panic, uh, you know, when they were down two games to one, and everyone in America, including yours truly, was sitting was sitting in front of this very microphone, saying, "If Chris Paul ain't playing, if Chris Paul isn't going to isn't back at somewhat full strength, the Phoenix Suns are done. It's going to be they're up, the Lakers up two one. They're going to win back to back, and goodbye, good night, and see you tomorrow, Phoenix, as LeBron James and the Lakers will move on." But that was not the case the 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 seri the 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 pivotal moment and when the tides uh, changed and when the tables were turned and 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 the, and the momentum and the momentum uh, went the opposite way was when Anthony Davis hurt his hurt his uh, his um and pulled his groin uh, and he you know playing he played five he played five minutes of the game and you know and contributed nothing but a rebound and one assist I mean it was obvious that he had no business being out there on the court because he he just couldn't move, couldn't move. You know, if there was a play where he was down at the end of the basket, you know, had a you know, if Anthony Davis is healthy, he catches the ball at, you know, down underneath the basket, puts it up for an easy layup, and, you know, it's business as usual. Anthony Davis got, you know, got the ball, and essentially he could He couldn't move. He couldn't move. Now, in, now what? Now, if, granted, Anthony, Davis you know he's always hurt. It's something that he has to look into personally because every single year, every single season, he's always, always, always hurt, and he's in his twenties, and he shouldn't begin to hurt like that. You know, it's just it's it's abnormal for a guy that's young as he is. You know, get, you're not playing football, you know, Anthony. He, I mean, and he's a and he's a big man. So if anyone's going to take the, uh, is going to take punishment, it's going to be the guys that he goes up against, not the one distributing the punishment as big of a player as Anthony Davis is. But you know, he's always always hurt, um, and I'm pretty sure he probably heard the outside noise saying, "Oh, Anthony Davis always hurt, hurt." Charles Barkley called him street clothes and he's like oh well I'll show you so he goes out there and he plays five minutes and and contributes absolutely nothing to the team I mean I mean you can make the argument that he honestly was better off not playing because because you figured the emotional roller coaster that that team was going through they were all psyched and hyped oh we got Anthony Davis back he's playing tonight we're at home come on let's Let's go get let's go get it and force a uh, and force a uh, a game seven and then Anthony Davis plays five minutes can barely move and essentially lim- limps off the uh, and limps off uh, the court onto the sideline and it just it took all the energy all the hype all the all the um, and it, it drained the Lakers for lack of you know for lack of a better word drained them. You know, so he, so my argument is he, he was better off, in my opinion, he was better off not playing because he you cannot sit up here and tell me that Anthony Davis, uh, a contributed anything positive in the five minutes he played for L.A. and B, uh, the Lakers were better off with him on the court rather than him resting, just because the fact when when you found out that he couldn't go and he and he waved the white flag and took himself off the court and headed into the locker, room, you knew that the Lakers were finished you just knew it and and the team and everybody else and everybody else knew it and, and felt and had that same effect on them too. Now they showed a little bit now they showed a little bit of fight. They showed a little bit of fight the Lakers did in the second half outscoring Phoenix 35-27 and they both scored 24 points in the fourth quarter. So they showed a little bit of fight. They did but in the first half, the first half they were dead as a doornail. I mean, by halftime you were like, "Oh, that's it, Lakers, done." Just the coup de grace. Goodbye. Good night. See it at next season. You knew the Lakers were done in the first half, and then they something, they got a little bit, a little bit of energy, played with a little bit of ur- a sense of urgency in the second half. But you're what I mean in the back of my mind, it was all oh, crap. LeBron, you know, I keep forgetting that they got LeBron James, and God knows what can happen when LeBron James is on the court. But for, but for the majority of that game, 80, 75, 80% of me was like, Pho- Phoenix got this game locked up. The Lakers are dead. The Lakers are finished. Goodbye. It was a little, so just a, a, a ounce of me thought that the Lakers had a chance. Uh, once they got to within 12, 12 ten points, and then, but then when LeBron and this and if you're gonna knock on LeBron, which you shouldn't, you give him the benefit of the doubt for this. Granted, his legacy does take a hit to this. It's the unfair nature of of the beast. But so be it. You know, LeBron when when the Lakers finally got a sense of momentum with seven minutes left in the game, and they were you and you could feel the momentum shifting from the Suns to the Lakers and you can feel a little bit of energy like oh crap here we go now when they when the Lakers got with within 12 10 points LeBron takes himself out of the game with 7 minutes left in the fourth quarter that that, that you can't do you cannot and LeBron especially knowing that his roster uh Kyle Kuzma I mean, I mean Kyle, Kuzma, uh-uh, uh, Kyle Kuzma uh the Kyle Kuzma Dudley Marcus Morris Montrez, Harrell, uh, Horton Tucker. Uh-uh. I mean, these these are not. Uh-uh. I mean, these these are. Were, uh, oh, they they they're not. They're outside of LeBron Anthony Davis. This is not a good, not a good roster under any circumstances. I mean, and they didn't play. I mean, and you and you know, it took them it took a miracle shot from LeBron in the playing game just so they could even make the postseason. But uh, it's. You know, if you're LeBron and you realize and you see that you got that, knowing that your boy, your partner crime, Anthony Davis, ain't going to play for the rest of the night, and you see that your motley crew of a, of your teammates – you know, has been very subpar in the games that you, that you and Davis have haven't played throughout. You know, March and uh, March and April, and 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 you see that they haven't been that great. You know, essentially all series long for the most part. You cannot, under any circumstances, come within ten, twelve points, seven minutes left in the game, and you take yourself out. You 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 just can't. You can't do that if you're LeBron James. You just can't do it. And, I mean, there's no excuse. You just can't do that. When you get, when you get, when you, when there's, when there's a, when there, when it appears, English guy, when it appears that there may be light at the end of the tunnel and there's a slither of hope that you could pull off the impossible and come back and win this game, in the playoffs at the Staples Center, you cannot sit up here, you know, at the next dead ball. Wave to the bench and and take yourself out the game. I'm sorry, you, you you can't do that. Now he gets a now he gets a pass. He he gets a pass. You know, you can't scream and say boo. You know, when LeBron essentially has done nothing but bust his ass. You know, from uh, from mid late from mid late July all the way until mid October, winning an NBA championship and having the shortest off season in France, you know, in league history, and then having to turn around come Christmas time to to restart and rejuvenate yourself and flip the page so to speak onto another season. So I get that and I understand all that, and I'm not gonna you know he his legacy gets some hits, his legacy. Not necessarily the here and now, but the but the legacy as far as GOAT is concerned, it takes some hits because of the fact that you know defending champs. Yup, two one in the series. You blow the ser- you blow the series lead, the one game lead you had. You blow it, and you for the better part of the rest of the series after you had the two one lead, you were not you were you weren't competitive, and your games were borderline unwatchable. So it takes some hits there. He takes some hits for taking himself out the game with seven minutes left. And he takes some hits that, you know, he is, you know, four 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 and six in the NBA finals, it's not quote unquote goat material. I don't care what it, I don't care what anybody says. Jordan went there six times and never lost, you know, and LeBron James and no, and don't sit there and give me a crap. Well, he's been there more times than Jordan means nothing. When when you have a sub five hundred record in the in the finals sub five hundred record and last time I checked six rings or more than four don't sit up and, and give me the goat stuff please 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 and all these other people well will how dare people uh, now does LeBron deserve to be slandered by the skip bailuses of the world looking for something to critique LeBron about that obviously can't stand LeBron James as far as he can throw no but ha- but having said that you can also be fair and say. LeBron James he isn't the goat and never has never has been and probably never will be. If you're being objective about it and you're being fair about it, it's Michael Jordan. Don't, and and for everyone out there that thinks that it's LeBron just because they saw LeBron play and you know, they were you know and and they and they didn't see Jordan because their father, you know, was in college just coming out of college or in, or in my father's case was in high school when Jordan was playing uh means absolutely nothing it's uh, the recency bias but he his legacy and and it's unfair but that's that's the nature of the beast that's na- that's the nature of sports his legacy gets some takes some hits and gets some hits and gets knocked a little bit for losing in the first round of Phoenix when he had a 2-1 series lead Take some hits, like Anthony. The fact he lost in the first round, take some hits. Unfair, but that's the way it goes. But I'm not going to kill LeBron. Essentially, LeBron for I'm not going to kill the in the here and now. I'm not going to kill him because of the fact he had a short off season and he had a short off season and he was banged up. And LeBron James is is like he doesn't get injured too often, which is why I made the point of why Anthony Davis is always banged up. Uh, would be would be concerning to me if I was a, a Laker fan, but what can, what can you do? And if you're a Laker fan, you although although the way you went out was horrendous and was embarrassing, I, I grant you that. But you can't sit up here and too much if you're a Laker fan because they busted their hump and and won in the bubble and had the shortest off season, so. You, they went out. They went out. They went out. Look like an east end of a westbound horse. But, but if you're but if you're a real objective realistic Laker fan, you can't yell and scream too loudly. You can yell and scream about the fact that you know you're you're supporting your supporting cast stinks. You know Alex Caruso, uh, Alex Caruso, uh, Kyle Kuzma. I mean, I will call the roll for you. Matthews. I can call it. You know, you make that argument. And you went out there and embarrassed yourself for the for the back end of this series, you know. After you were up to one, you can scream and yell about that, but you, but you, you, you know the the Patriots, the Patriots after twenty, you know they they didn't win the Super Bowl every single year, you know. Brady Brady three times in his career has not has gotten knocked out in the first round. Oh nine to Baltimore. The next year to the Jets in the division round, they had to buy, but that counts as a first-round game for the Patriots. And they got bounced in 2019, Brady's last year there, when they lost the wild-card game at home to the Tennessee Titans. So... You can't scream me two now. And now having said all that, and Devin Booker again, phenomenal job throughout this entire series. Now, what I don't need, and I don't think anyone else is going to say it, so I'll but I'll be the one to say it. You know, I don't need Devin Booker up pair and given quotes saying, you know, well the Kobe inspiration, which I get and I totally understand. But don't see that. Which what Devin Booker has to realize that when you beat the Lakers and the Lakers gotten got embarrassed. In in their elimination closeout game on their home court, don't sit up here and say that that, that you know Kobe was necessarily proud. I don't have the direct quote in, quote in front of me. I can find it and read it to you if you wish, but I don't need that. De- Kobe, Kobe on your mind, Kobe inspiring you, fine. But me and the Laker fan doesn't want to hear you sit up here and say, well, Kobe was proud. And Kobe, Kobe was smiling down upon the heavens from the heavens down upon you when you're knocked out when you're knocked out as team and embarrass the Lakers in his building that 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 no one else has said that but I I'll, I'll say it for him that that's a little rough and that's a little tough to take last time, last time I checked Kobe did play for the Los Angeles Lakers not the Phoenix Suns got to be fair got to be fair And especially the way, and especially the way the Lakers have played and played in that series, the last thing Kobe was doing was was smiling down upon from the heavens down upon us at the disgraceful Lakers performance that they put on in this series. If anything, he if anything, he's shaking his head and and cursing Kyle Kuzma under his breath. I'm sorry. No one else said it, but I'm gonna say it. Hearing, you know, when Devin Booker said that, Devin, wake up, will you please? You play. You didn't play the Clippers. You played the Lakers, and emb- and embarrassed Kobe's team, his team in his building, Staples Center. His memorial was there. All-time great performances. He won championships in that building. Don't sit up here and say, "Well, Kobe was smiling down upon the heavens." you know when 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 you when you when you and and your teammates flat out embarrass this team and they, and there were moments in that in that game on Thursday night and throughout this entire series where the Lakers were lifeless, dead, uninspiring, unenthusiastic and essentially a bunch of 10-man syndrome zombies running up and down a basketball court. Got to be fair, got to be honest. Take a break, look towards the second round of the NBA playoffs coming up back after this. Welcome back to the Amatella um, Ktias podcast. Uh, game there was a game on Friday night, and that was Game Six between, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, the L.A. Clippers and the Dallas Mavericks, and we'll get to the second round game matchups in just a moment here. But Clippers force a Game Seven series tied at three games apiece. Every single game in this series has been won by the road team. Kawhi Leonard with an absolutely magnificent performance, uh, 45 points, uh, 6 rebounds, 3 assists, uh, 2 blocks in the game. He was 5 of 9 from 3, really utilizing a mid-range shot. And uh, getting the easy, uh, and getting the easy, simple two. He took 25 shots. Only nine of them were three. So Kawhi Leonard really did his damage uh, inside the arc rather than outside it. He shot the three ball wall five of nine, 18 of 25 from the field. Uh, an absolutely phenomenal performance, and of course, uh, and of course, uh, Jackson twenty-five points. 20, he's had twenty-five points in the game, uh, four assists, nine rebounds as well. And then uh, Paul George, you know, uh, put his uh, his nice little contribution contribution, excuse me, scoring twenty points and thirteen rebounds and six assists for the L.A. Clippers. And what was a pretty close and back-and-forth game. Uh, throughout, out you know, counting down to about maybe the last eighty seconds or so left in the game, that game was close. It was tight, and it was back and forth. Uh, for the majority of the game, no team, you know, really getting a lead and then running away with it. It was back and forth for the majority of that game on Friday night down in Dallas. Uh, Luka Doncic had a Luka Doncic put twenty nine points. His three ball was not going in. They own two of nine from three, which is bad. From a Dallas Mavericks standpoint, twenty-nine points, eleven assists, eight rebounds, uh, and four steals in the game. Tim Hardaway Jr. had his twenty-three points, decent job. Kristaps um, Porzingis, as a big man, has got to give me a little more than seven, than a seven point, than seven points, three of seven from the field. Um, you know, and and five re- five rebounds. You know, when you're seven feet tall, and it's a close, and it's a clo- have a chance. Of, it's a closeout game. You win, you move on. You lose, it, the loser goes home. And it's in your building in front of the largest crowd in an NBA game all season long. You cannot, under any circumstances, when you play 31 minutes, give me seven points. I mean that that is that's inexcusable. That's that that's inexcusable. From a Chris Desprzinga standpoint, there's just, just no excuse and just no reasoning for that whatsoever. As the game seven on Sunday afternoon, uh, we'll see whether or not you know Dallas. They've won every road game in this series, and when you figure that the team that wins on the road in the previous game might carry the momentum when they come back to their home arena, we've been pro- we, we've been proven otherwise so far in this series. and It'll be interesting to see. Uh, can the Clippers buck the trend and uh, keep the Staples Center uh, jumping uh, throughout the month, you know, uh, through the uh, second week of June? Or uh, or will the Staples Center essentially, you know, have its, t- t- get an early vacation? Uh, no one's having any concerts of any kind and, and the Lakers are out. So whether or not, let's see if uh, the Clippers can keep uh, Staples open for business. Or will the Dallas Mavericks uh keep the trend going through all seven games and take care of business in game seven on the road at Staples on Sunday afternoon? Um and by the way, with a quick note as far as Kawhi Leonard is concerned, um, he is he is has forty-five points that he scored in the game. That was forty-five, right? Forty-five, forty-five, forty-five. Yep, forty-five points that he scored in the game. Um, is the most is the most an elimination game in Clippers franchise history, and it's his second his second forty point game, uh, forty point uh, forty point performance in an elimination game. The other one and the first one, of course, was Game Seven uh, in the Conference Semis against the Seventy ers uh, when he hit that game winner on Mother's Day of two thousand. Uh, and 19. You look ahead to the second round in the NBA playoffs you get a uh, buck, well only three right now are set in stone at this time the Bucks and the Nets or the Eastern Conference is set, the Hawks and Sixers and the Bucks and the Nets and the Nuggets and Suns in the Western Conference and the Jazz await the winner of the game seven between uh, Dallas and Los Angeles Um and, uh, let's start with the Bucks and the Nets first. It's going to be a very interesting series. I think this, I think the Nets are going to win this series and, and I, and six me personally, you know, I think that, the, you know, I think that the Bucks are good enough this time around where they can win that they can win two uh, games in the postseason. Um, and of course, you know the Nets. You always figure with the Nets that they, you know, one night, you know, Harden, Harden, and Irving's jump shot isn't going to hit. They take an off night, you know. They kind of, you know, phone it in with an approach. Ah, we got this. And so, maybe they do. Maybe they don't. Maybe that was only reserved for Boston because they knew Boston wasn't going to be there very long, and they were just quote unquote just happy to be there. But you figure that the Bucks, you know, with Middleton and Giannis. Are going are going to get you know, are going to get uh are going to get at least two games in this series you know Harden Harden Irving and Durant aren't all going to combine for over a hundred points every single night I mean it's just it's just not going to happen um but that you know that in a lot of people's eyes especially with the Lakers knocked out in a lot of people's eyes people look at this as the quote unquote de facto NBA Finals of you know whoever wins this matchup odds are is probably going to win the championship. Uh, if they if they make it out of the uh, if they are able to make it out of the Eastern Conference and move on to the NBA Finals, a lot of people are looking at this Bucks and Nets matchup as the de facto NBA Finals. Whoever wins this matchup, you can essentially give them the Larry O'Brien Trophy when it's all said and done. Um, the Nets are playing fantastic basketball right now with the big three—Harden, uh, Irving, Durant—all making a contribution. Their jump shots are hitting. They're able to sink the three. Durant knows how to dominate inside the paint and hit the jump shot from behind the arc, arc. excuse me, if need be. And of course, the Bucks, Giannis, and Middleton had a uh, had a good series against the Heat. It'll also be the, essentially their first test of the postseason after you know four games and at uh, for the Milwaukee Bucks sending the Miami Heat fishing last Saturday. Um, But this is going to be in a a very, you know, and I think the Nets are better than the the Milwaukee, to be quite honest with you. I have to see it to believe it as far as taking the Milwaukee Bucks seriously as being a big time uh, championship contender in the Eastern Conference. The Nets have a much better team, a much better roster. Uh, Irving, Durant, um, Irving, Durant and um, Harden, of course. I think the I think, you know, that the Bucks will put up a will put up a fight and I don't think every game's going to be, you know, they you know, the Nets blow out the Bucks by, you know, 15, 20, 25, 30 points. There will be some close games in this series, it's, you know, probably you'll probably get one in game 1 most likely, but you know, I think the Nets are just the better team. I think they got more at their disposal as far as, you know, who can, who they can rely on to score the basketball, many different uh, variants of ways. I I like the Brooklyn Nets in this series uh, in six games. On uh, any other Eastern Conference match between the Hawks and the Sixers, the Hawks, you figure this is, might be, you know, where the nice little sweet run for the Hawks end, and when they, you know, meet their match, as far as the 76ers are concerned, uh, one of the top, uh, they got one of the top seeds in the Eastern Conference. Um, I give the Hawks a chance in this series, if and only if Joel Embiid stays healthy and plays all, you know, plays all series long. If Joel Embiid, you know, misses misses a handful of games, or is or Allah Chris Paul with the Suns is li- has limited action in these games. I you know, Ben Simmons can't shoot stinks. Enough of Ben Simmons. Um it's, uh, it just it's goodbye. Uh, and I don't think Ben Simmons who stinks and Seth Curry is gonna be able uh to get the job done. Is going to, is going to be able to get the job done for the 76. Is going up against the Atlanta Hawks team that's hungry, and Trey Young has played as has played as great a basketball as uh, he as he's played throughout the throughout these uh, young NBA playoffs so far. So I get so I think I think the 76ers are going to win. That's what I that's what I think. I think the 76ers are going to win in. I'll, I'll go six games with them as well, um, but, but but I would not count the Hawks out, and it would not surprise me if the Hawks end up upsetting Philadelphia and winning this series, if and only if Joel Embiid's health is in the air for a game-in, game-out basis all series long. And then the last series, the only one that's set in stone in the West, the conference between the Nuggets and the Suns, Phoenix. I, this is serious. I really don't know. You know, this is series that I feel like in my eyes can can go the full seven games. Denver, you know, Denver Jokic, who's who's MVP in my estimation for what I've seen him play throughout this season and into the playoffs. Phenomenal talent. He can dominate the paint as much, as good as anybody in the NBA. And in Phoenix, their young talent with Devin Booker. Jay Crowd Jay Crowder's got a little bit of feistiness about him too. And then of course you have the uh have the old buck that's been around the block a little bit. Um who's got many who's got plenty of playoff experience in Chris Paul. This series, in my estimation, could go the full seven games. I'll go Phoenix because I think that they are more battle tested because they had to go through the Lakers in the first round and you know and the Nug and I even though they won the series in six games. You know, and, my, and this is just me talking. I think that their series that they had to work, and they did have to work to, you know, they had to come out from a double digit lead to beat to beat Portland on Thursday night. They had to work, and plus the double overtime game in Game Five against Portland, they had to work to beat the Portland Trailblazers. You figure, and especially because they're undermanned with no Jamal Murray, like I said, you figure that you know that uh that will they have enough left in the tank uh to go up against and make it through phoenix phoenix is riding on a on a cloud nine high because of the fact that you know they took out the defending champs and the lakers and in my estimation there, I think they're more battle-tested and more battle-ready than the Nuggets are. Not to mention the Nuggets are a man down with no Jamal Murray, who, of course, with the torn ACL, is going to be out for the rest of the season. I think the series is going to go in Phoenix's direction in the full seven games. So Nets and six, Sixers and six, Suns and seven. they are my second-round NBA playoff predictions. Closing out the show with a little bit of baseball. This is the TIS podcast. welcome back to the Umsoki T.I.S. podcast give baseball a couple minutes here because uh since the NBA, you know, dating back to since when the play in tournament started and you know and the NFL draft and everything else we've barely given baseball the time of day here on the show outside of me screaming and yelling since the beginning of the season outside of me screaming and yelling about the uh about the Orioles um but let's switch gears now to Marcelo Zuna, who has himself in hot water with the law and who may may not ever play a baseball game again, whether it's with the Atlanta Braves or some team in the independent league. He was arrested on uh, he was arrested last Saturday, uh, the 29th of May, my birthday. Just FYI. Um after he choked his wife and threw her up against the wall, according to the police in Sandy Springs, Georgia. He has not played he has not played since. Uh could uh he uh you know, he could his contract could be voided with uh with Atlanta. Um it says uh Police, uh, let's see, uh, witnessing, the, uh, witnessing of the incident could prompt, could prompt, excuse me, the Braves to attempt to convert Osuna's four-year, $65 million contract to a non-guaranteed deal. This is courtesy of Jeff Pass and ESPN. Uh, he's uh, held, you know, at the time he was held, I think he might be still there, who knows, um, uh, who's being held in the Fulton County Jail um, with aggravated, with the, here's the charges. Aggravated assault by strangulation, that's a felony that carries a minimum of three years uh, to 20 years in jail and a misdemeanor battery. So he, nine-year veteran uh, who finished sixth in MVP voting last season, Um, uh, uh, he's on the restricted list, so he's not currently being paid by the Atlanta Braves. Um, so he, he's in trouble. He's, oh, and let's, uh, and let's, and this also, this arrest came almost a year that his wife, uh, was arrested and charged with a misdemeanor domestic battery. So obviously not a healthy relationship, those two to say the least. Um, but it's fair to say that Marcelo Zuna, I'd be absolutely floored if he gets off the, if he gets off the hook. Uh, if he gets off the hook well, with these charges, absolutely, positively floored. But it looks like that A is going to spend some jail time, and B that, uh, and it's the obvious one uh, that he probably will never play. Maybe, maybe not. Maybe saying never is too strong, but um, uh, but it's fair to say that he will not play uh, baseball for the Braves or for anybody for a long, long, long time. Um and then another thing in Major League Baseball is that the situation has came out about um about picture about pitchers doctoring baseballs and putting sticky mater- and putting sticky material uh on the baseballs to change the spin rate to make the hitters, you know, to essentially get the hitters to swing and miss more. Um this is this is courtesy of SI that came out the last couple of days. Um, I'll read some of it for you. One ball made its way into the National League dugout last week where players took turns touching a palm to the sticky material, coating it, and lifting the baseball adhered to their hand into the air. Another one, corralled in, different, in a different National League dugout, had clear enough fingerprints indented in the goo that, that the opponents could mimic the pitcher's grip. A third one, also in the National League, was so sticky that when an opponent tried to pull, the, pull a glue off, three inches of the seam of the, of the ball came off of, the, came off of it. Over the past two or three years, pitchers' illegal application to the ball of what they call a sticky stuff At first, a mixture of sunscreen and rods and now forms of glue have become so persuasive that one recently retired pitcher estimates that 80-90% of the pitchers are using it in some capacity. The sticky stuff helps increase the spin on pitchers, which in turn increases their movement, making them more difficult to hit. That contributed to an offensive crisis that has seen the league-wide batting average plummet to a historically inept two, thirty. 6. From the dugout, players and coaches shake their heads as they listen to pitchers' deliveries. You can hear the friction, says an anonymous American League manager. The recently retired pitcher likens it to the sound of ripping off a Band-Aid. A Major League team executive and his players have examined foul balls and found that the Major League Baseball logo on the front of the ball was completely torn straight off the leather. And many clubhouses across the sport, the training room has become the scene of the crime. Pitchers head in there before games to swipe tongue depressors, which they use to apply the sticky stuff to wherever they can hide it. That's the you know, inside of their glove. That's the inside of their glove uh, on their in, on their inside of their jersey sleeve on their che- on their uh, on their bare chest. If they don't wear a shirt underneath their jersey on the on the uh, on the bill of their cap wherever. Um, uh, to wherever they choose to hide it, then return afterwards, grab rubbing alcohol to dissolve the residue. And that's not even always sufficient. One National League journeyman reliever who says he uses Pelican grip dip, uh, a pine tar rosin blend that typically use, uh, that's typically used by hitters to uh, help grip their bat better, has been flagged at airport security. They swab my fingers, and this is after showering and everything. And they're like, "You, hey, you have explosives on your finger." He says, "Well, I'm like, well, I don't, but I'm sure that I have something that's not organic on there." Um, MLB rulebook bars pitchers from applying foreign substances to baseballs, but officials have have uh, so far done little to curb the practice. Major League Baseball declined to comment. Meanwhile, as high-speed cameras and granular data have made it clear that doctrine, baseball makes it almost impossible to hit, baseball has found itself dripping with sticky stuff. This should be the big, this is a quote from a major league exec, from a team executive. This should be the biggest scandal in sports. As MLB dwells and batting average dwindle, the use of substances has become all but institutionalized. One National League reliever who says he does not apply anything to the baseball because the sticky stuff disrupts his feel of a sinker, says his pitching coach this year. Uh, sit, suggested that he may try it. An, Amer- an American League reliever who says that he uses a mixture of sunscreen and rosin, rosin excuse me, recalls a spring training meeting in 2019 where in which the team's pitching coach told the group a lot of people around the league are using sticky stuff to make their fastballs have more lift, and if you're not using it, you should consider it because you're kind of behind. Um, the clubhouse attendance uh, of at least one minor league team, according to player, stock cans of Sticky Grip, another product intended to keep hitters from accidentally flinging their bats and distribute to the, to the pitchers who ask for it. The National League reliever, who uses Pelicans, says that he played for a team that hired a chemist away from the club whose, who, uh, whose job, essentially, is developing uh, the sticky stuff. And an SI analysis of StatCast data suggests that one team in particular leads the industry in, in spin rate. That's the Los Angeles Dodgers. Oh, my God. According to data... L.A. has the largest margin, highest year-to-year increase of spin rate, four-seam pass, fastballs. In fact, the Dodgers' four-seam spin rate is higher than any of that cash stat there for what it's worth. There's no proof that the Dodgers are not doing baseball, but nearly across the board, their hurlers' hurler spin rates on that pitch have increased from uh, this season. The last Dodgers declined to comment. Um, let's see here. Uh, quote: It's so blatant, says the American League manager. It's a, it's like a big fu. Like, what are you gonna do about it? Um, the dot di- this is funny. Dodgers Trevor Bauer has been the center of the spin rate storm. There's no proof to, that he uses sticky stuff, but he has uh, increased the spin rate on his fastball from an average of 4,358 RPMs to 2835 this season um uh and it's never been the history so far in the contact blah 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 um uh, it says quotes about cheating but basically what you get from it is that uh and then it gives uh, and it gives the you and then it gives names of uh stuff that they've used to to uh to doctor the baseball um b- which first off uh and major league baseball's Matt and that I bring this up. Um and they've been aware of it, knowing uh they and they came out with enhanced plans for enforcement of uh, this being finalized with June rollout plan uh pending. They gave like a two week notice to every team to knock it off, or else they'll have umpires up appear and inspect this. Um, uh, pitches will be randomly checked by umpires with every starting pitcher like to be checked at least two times per start, with officials cognizant. Of having equipment checks with slow, a sport in which the pace of play is already thought to be too... Le- okay, uh, that's just a bunch of uh, ad-libbing there. Um, so they're going to enforce it. Major League Baseball, always late to the party. Always, they were late with the steroid stuff in the late 90s, early 2000s and now they late to the party with the, they were late to the party with the Astros and now they are late to the party with stuff on this. I mean my goodness gracious what in the world is Rob Manfred up and his people up in the league office do all day? I mean my goodness gracious thank God they not they're not in charge of the FBI because you'd be seeing uh, you'd be seeing uh, the world's most dangerous criminals and the most dangerous crooks running around all over the place uh, committing heinous crimes left and right, right underneath uh, Major League Baseball's nose uh, if Manfred and the crew were you know, in charge of running the FBI. Because, I mean, if they were running the FBI, you could practically get, you could, if you could kill five people before baseball gets a hit and decides, and by the time they decide to catch you before you knock off your 10th victim. I mean, what, what in the world does Major League Baseball do with their time? When they're supposed to be like be ahead of this stuff, the only sport in the, in, the, in America that deals with this cheating stuff uh, constantly, nonstop, every single time we turn around, and people are running around getting away with it left and right, until you know some writer or some anonymous former player uh, gets the cojones to step up and say something about it, and all of a sudden. Mixed in with a little, uh, with a little uh, sports journalism, all of a sudden Major League Baseball gets the idea, gets the message loud and clear, and decides they're going to put a stop to it. Um, well, in my opinion, on this, this stuff's got to stop. You know, bad enough that there's no offense. You know, and Charlie Blackman said. He came out with a quote earlier this week saying how he's sick and tired of hearing people, you know, blame the hitters approach for trying to hit home runs every at bat for the fact that there's little to no offense. Um, Blaming it essentially on the fact that they doctored the ball to make it near impossible for players to hit um which it's a little bit of both you know on the offensive side there's way 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 too much emphasis emphasis on launch angle and exit velocity and all this other stupid goober scientific nonsense that no one in America cares about just make make contact if it's a home run fantastic if it's a nice little bloop base hit to get a rally started I'll be satisfied that's my approach to it um but it's a little bit of both um, you know the the so much emphasis on getting on hitting on hitting the ball in the air and getting underneath it to launch the ball instead of making solid square contact and just finding it and just finding uh, the outfield grass. It's a little bit of both, but from what I read, there there's some there's some merit to this. There there is some there is some merit to this. These pitchers doctoring up these baseballs that make them near impossible that make them near impossible to hit. I mean that 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 this is ridiculous. I mean my I understand I understand that that you know that the players in particular are in it to win and and it's and it and rightfully so it's competition that's why you love sports the competition aspect of it but at the same time you know what about the people that're sitting in the stands especially during the summertime roasting like a pig or sitting at home sitting at home in front of the television. What about them that has to essentially watch sw- swing and miss after swing and miss after swing and miss after swing and miss. strike it after, after strike out. It's boring. It's boring and it's dull and it's monotonous. So, baseball has to put a stop to this and put down and lay down the law firm and hard to put a stop to this nonsense because, you know, man, because baseball is baseball's is the one sport where to where you know where a lot of offense is not in a, in, in a sport where you got relievers coming out the bullpen throwing 100 miles an hour every single time you know and starting and a league that's dominated by offense by excuse me by uh by a defense and pitching where you know where you where you're lucky if you if you score if you can put together a, a stretch of games where you score f- uh, four or five runs or more, a, a little offense in Major League Baseball isn't 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 a bad thing. And the other and the other sports it is football. You got too much offense. You know, don't sit around and watch a you know watch Super Bowl fifty three you know on a loop every single game. I understand that and I get that. Not have a touchdown scored until the fourth quarter. I get that. and I understand all that. But you know, not not every not every game has to be not every game has to be thirty five to thirty or 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 forty or forty two thirty or you know, or or forty seven thirty five. Or uh, or not every game has to be 31-28. I, I, I get that. So I so I'm I'm kind of opposite when it comes to that because too much offense is like you know what the hell's the point. So as far as Yana, as far as football especially, you know college. One of the, you know, and, uh, watching a college game and the final score looks like it looks like a college basketball game, you know, 62 to 51. No one wants to see, you know, offense go up and down the field nonstop and the defense can't, and the defense can't make a play. And no one in basketball, uh, you know, basketball, same thing, NBA, you know, nothing is nice about watching two teams, you know, score 120, 130 points. You know, with little to no, with little to no defense to speak of or to watch whatsoever. I get that, but baseball's the only sport where you know a little. You know, it, it, it wouldn't hurt baseball if every, You know, if more often than not, you get a you get a five th- you get a five three six six four eight eight five eight four nine to five nine six nine seven ten eight ten seven ten six game every. You know. Once or twice a week, you know, with every every game or so, wouldn't hurt it. And I don't mean you know hitting the ball at the ballpark nonstop. I mean putting the ball in play, station to station baseball. You know the the stuff that you know the stuff and the intricacies of the sport that made it fun when you played little league. You now when you play when you play little league more times than not, the game the little league game isn't 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 dominated by hitting home runs. It's putting it's putting the ball in play. Runners on first and second, hitting the ball hitting the ball into the gap in the outfield, splitting the two outfielders, run, you know, run comes home from third base automatically. You see whether or not the third base coach wants to hold or send the runner coming from first. That's what makes it fun. That's what makes that's what makes it fun. And if you and if you listen to this and you have a kid in little league, you would probably argue that you would rather watch your Ten eleven twelve thirteen year old play you play their little league games every Saturday afternoon and watch a three and a half hour and watch a three and a half hour snooze fest where between the two teams they score three runs and two, and two out of the three runs are so or solo home runs that happen you know once every fourth inning you'd rather what you'd rather watch you'd rather watch your son's little league team run around the bases nine thousand times in an eight five game in only six innings than watching a major baseball game last, you know, that, that literally game lasts about 90 minutes, close to two hours, a little more than that, then, then sit down for three, three hours and 45 minutes watching a bunch of major leaguers, you know, in a nine-inning game, barely be, be, barely be able to muster up a run. So it, w- it wouldn't hurt Major League Baseball if they get more offense. And I don't mean more offense by more home runs and more people hitting the ball out of the ballpark. I mean more general base hits and, and guys running around the bases. It's good for the sport and it's good for the game and it makes it a lot more exciting and a lot more enjoyable. Don't believe me? And I don't mean going to like some some kid's t-ball game where they all stink. But go to, but go, go to your local park or wherever, or wherever you live, and go look and go just watch. Or if you have a kid or know someone who plays little league, that's about twelve in between ages eleven and fourteen. Go and go and watch, go and watch them play little league. You know. I I, I I guarantee, I guarantee you seventy five percent of the runs scored in that game will not be will not be via home runs and if they are they need to they need to drug test those kids because you know when you're twelve 13 years old you're not winning you're not winning little league games by hitting the ball out the ballpark getting a single here single here double here double here. Triple here every now and again. Lay down a bunt. That's baseball. And it's a lot more enjoyable and it's a lot more exciting to watch. Don't get me wrong, I love the home run as much as the next guy. But, yeah. Variety is the spice of life. You need a balance. And these pitchers doctoring these baseballs is hurting the offense and hurting the quality of play and hurting the entertainment value uh, of the sport. And again, I don't know why Major League Baseball is always late to the party with these cheating scandals. I, I, I tell you, thank God Manfred and them aren't, aren't, you know, at the, aren't holding the federal office uh, for the FBI, the, the, uh, the national office for the FBI, because if they were, we'd all be screwed. Some guy run, running around killing people left and right. Manfred and, and Manfred and the people he works with up in the league office would finally get a clue after some psychopath six murder and not essentially get a tip after the, before the first one or after one and two. But anyway, that's my two cents on it. And that's your program for this first weekend in the month of June. If you like what you heard, please subscribe follow me on Twitter and Instagram at the J Shield follow the show on Instagram at Amatel underscore podcast and show on Twitter at Amatel underscore it TIS it is your boy Josh Shields I will talk to you Wednesday and if I don't I'm marching up to wherever Anchor is located and I'm going to give him a few choice words it's your boy Josh Shields stay safe get vaccinated if you haven't already talk to you Wednesday see ya